Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I am Pastor Neil Wemus. Uh, this is a recording from home of the sermon that I preached this past Wednesday. Uh, normally, I record it from the pulpit, but this past week I forgot to uh, turn my iPad on for the purpose of recording. And so it is going to be recorded from home and... So it will be a little different probably in places from the one, the sermon that was heard on Wednesday. And uh, kind of to space things up, I am going to be singing through the hymn that you just heard the instrumentals to. And you can bear with my voice, but the hymn is 439 out of Luther's service book. Oh, dearest Jesus, what law hast thou broken? And that's going to kind of serve as the framework for uh, this recording. So we're going to begin, and I'm going to sing the first five verses out of this hymn. It is a 15-verse hymn, and it's, it is truly one of those hymns that you. it is good to sing all of the verses because as you hear through it, as you read through it, you will see just devotionally how powerful, how rich this hymn is. So before we get started, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Oh, dearest Jesus, what law hast thou broken? That such a sentence should on thee be spoken. Of what great crime hast thou to make confession? What dark transgression? They crown thy head with thorns, they smite, they scourge thee with cruel mockings to the cross, they urge thee. They give thee gall to drink, they still decry thee. They crucify thee. Whence came these sorrows? Whence this mortal anguish? 
It is my sins for which the Lord must languish. Yea, all the wrath of woe thou dost inherit. This I do merit. What punishment so strangers soften yonder? The shepherd dies for sheep that love to wander. The master pays the debt his servants go him who would not know him. A sinless son of God must die in sadness. The sinful child of man may live in gladness. Man forfeited his life and is acquitted. God is committed. The readings for this day. are taken from, give me a moment as I bring these up. Uh, the first reading is taken from Psalm chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, where it says, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds and apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle reading is taken from Romans, the 8th chapter, where Paul writes, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, 
And all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 8th, or to St. Matthew, the 26th chapter, which writes, Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus, that they might put him to death, but they found none. Though many false witnesses came forward, at last two came forward and said, This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. And the high priest stood up and said, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus remained silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said so. But I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He has uttered blasphemy. What further witnesses do we need? You have now heard his blasphemy. What is your judgment? They answered, He deserves death. Then they spit on his face and struck him. And some slapped him, saying, Prophesy to us, you Christ, who is it that struck you? This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. We continue with verses 6 through 10 of O dearest Jesus, what law hast thou broken? There was no spot in me by sin untainted, sick with sin's poison, all my heart had fainted. My heavy guilt to hell had well nigh brought me. Such woe it wrought me. O wondrous love, whose depth no heart hath sounded, that brought thee here by falls and thee surrounding all worldly pleasures heedless i was trying while thou wert dying O mighty King, no time can dim thy glory, 
How shall I spread abroad thy wondrous story? How shall I find some worthy gifts to proffer? What dare I Human wisdom ponder, thy was thy mercy, still transcend our wonder. Oh, how should I do aught that could delight thee? Can I requite thee? Yet unrequited, Lord, I would not leave thee. I will renounce what and vex or grieve thee, and quench with thoughts of thee and prayers most lowly. The quote from Luther for the sermon this past Wednesday was taken from a sermon from of Holy Week in 1534. It says, Thus Christ was not killed in rebellion, nor in a riot, nor by people who had no legal power. No, he was killed by those who held full legal power. Here endeth the quote. And the scripture for the sermon this day is taken from Romans 8, verse 35, which says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? This is the text. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Grace, peace, mercy to you from God our Father, Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It began that late evening. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he had just prayed earnestly to the God, his the God, God the Father, praying that the cup should pass from him. When it was seen in the distance, the battalion of soldiers and guards coming with torches to arrest him. Leading the way was the man named Judas. His dear friend and disciple. Judas had told the guards that the man whom he kissed was the man to arrest. Think about that, a kiss, an international sign of love and affection. 
is the sign that would be used as an act of great betrayal. So he did as he said he would. He kissed Jesus. As the soldiers began to fight back, the disciples, specifically Peter, lifted up his sword, slicing the ear of one of the, the servants of the high priest. And Jesus told him to put the sword away. And Jesus allowed himself to be arrested. His disciples, they fled. Now this is of significance. Because the word disciple literally means follower. Now to understand what that means, we're not talking about follower in some uh, metaphorical term. You follow somebody, meaning you listed that you... Um, that you follow their ways or you're, you follow their example or something like that. That's not what the word disciple means. It's actually far more literal of a follower. And actually, ironically, the word follower in the Twitter sphere actually is quite a little bit more closer. Because the purpose of a follower in the Twitter sphere is that you want to listen to whatever that person says. But in Greek, a follower, the way education was done was very different than it is today. In today's time, school, you'd go to, you'd go to a classroom and you sit in your desk and you listen to the teacher teach. That's how, it was, how it's done today. Well, in the time of Jesus in the ancient cultures, you would you would literally follow your teacher. So if your teacher went south, you went south. If your teacher went north, you went north. Wherever he walked, if he walked to the market, if he walked to the to the country, if he walked up to the church, wherever it would be, you followed him. And the point that you of following him was so that every word that pour forth from his mouth you would hear. So the word disciple would be more adequately understood as student. But understanding that it literally meant that students literally followed those teachers. When the disciples fled from Jesus, they were denying their discipleship because they stopped following and so Jesus, now abandoned by his disciples, was led away to the temple, or to the high priest, Caiaphas. And there he was put on trial illegally. You should say it was to the palace, not to the temple, but to where the high priest was. And he was put on trial and they came up with all sorts of stories to accuse him. And most of them turned out were pretty inconsistent. Showing themselves, them to be the lies that they were. He was spot, spat upon. He was struck in the face repeatedly. 
But they eventually asked, as you heard there in that gospel lesson, they asked him, Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said so. But I tell you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming of the clouds of heaven. See, it was here that they understood what Jesus was saying. He identified himself as the Son of Man countless times throughout his ministry. And there's different ways that could have been interpreted. That would be totally blasphemous. But it was here in this moment they understood what he was saying every time he identified himself as the Son of Man. Because he is alluding to the gospel, to the book of Daniel. The Old Testament book. He is acknowledging that he is the Ancient of Days. He is God in the flesh. <coughs> Which is why they... Why the high priest tore his clothes and said, He is utter blasphemy. What further witness do we need? And so for this, they sentenced him. They sought to sentence him to death. Now they had no authority to sentence Jesus to death because in recent months a law had been passed in Israel that made it illegal for them to pass the sentence of death. Only the governor, the prefect, could do that, which is Pontius Pilate. So Jesus was to remain, he remained in that prison cell for a few hours until the time came for him to be brought before Pilate. Pilate found no guilt in Jesus. Neither did Herod. No one, none of the governing authorities found guilt in him worthy of any kind of punishment. They did, but they were afraid of the people. Pilate was afraid of the people. Because Pilate knew the warning that was given to him by Caesar. That if there was a riot in Jerusalem, that Pilate would be put to death. So he feared the people. And so he tried to find ways to get to appease their, their thirst for vengeance. So he had Jesus flogged. Given him a crown of thorns. Mocked and humiliated him. It was not enough. So finally out of fear he succumbed. And he sentenced Jesus to death, death on a cross. So Jesus had been abandoned by his disciples. Committed by his religious leaders. Sentenced to death by his political leaders. And so then he led, he carried that cross to Golgotha, the place of the skull. Yes, he needed help because of the beating from the flogging. And he was nailed to it. 
And there he slowly suffered and died. So we hear about the disciples, the crowds abandoning Jesus, rejecting him. But in the reality is, is that we are no better. As we sang in that hymn earlier, as you heard it, it says, What punishment so strange is suffered yonder? The shepherd dies for sheep that loved to wander. Jesus, who is indeed the good shepherd, on account of whom we shall have no want, dies on that cross for we who love to wander. So let's go back to that word, disciple. The word disciple means student. Yet how many Christians, as soon as they are confirmed, actually this is the way it goes for so many Christians. The child gets baptized and they don't go to any type of Sunday school or anything like that, any form of catechesis, until they get to 7th grade or 6th grade, whenever their confirmation starts, and they go for a couple of years they do their confirmation thing, and then they never get catechized again. Many might at least get go through Sunday school up to that, and then they don't get catechized again. But Jesus said in Rome in Matthew twenty eight, before he ascended into heaven, "Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit." Amen. And then the Holy Spirit, and teaching them. Everything that I have commanded you. And I'm going to tell you something. I know with confidence that when you get done with confirmation, you have not been taught everything that the Lord has commanded. In fact, you are only scratching the surface. You're getting the very basic of the basics. That's the purpose of confirmation. It's to, get, it's to set you forward to learn more and more and more and more. And, the re and furthermore, the reason why I know you haven't learned everything is because I, as a pastor, and any other pastor, even we have yet to learn everything that our Lord has commanded, which is why we still learn. We still have Bible studies when pastors meet together. We're regularly reading books. We're studying the scriptures. All Christians, as long as you are drawing breath, have need to continue to be catechized. And yet we are sheep who regularly wander. And then there is the other side of it. If you are a disciple of Christ, you are to go and make disciples. In other words, you are supposed to be going and telling people about Jesus. <coughs> Again, before Jesus ascended into heaven, he says 
You are to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to the very ends of the earth. If he was saying that to me or to you, if you lived in Ida Grove, for example, he would say, you are to be my witnesses in Ida Grove, in Iowa, and then to Minnesota or Nebraska or South Dakota, one of the neighboring states, and then to the very ends of the earth. In other words, you are to be witnesses to anyone and everyone. But see, there are many who they hear their scriptures, they go to church, they hear their sermon preached, they sing their hymns or their, their praise songs, whatever it may be. And as soon as they step out their door, they act like they never heard a thing. It doesn't do anything to them. They don't go and tell people about what their Lord has done for them. They're silent. They're silent sheep who show no love for their shepherd who so dearly suffered and died for them. But that is why you are alive. That's why when you were brought to the faith, our God did not immediately bring you into heaven. Because he has you here for a reason, and that is to be a witness in your community. In your surrounding communities, and to the ends of the earth. And now I understand you're probably thinking, well, I can't get to, you know, I can't get to Nicaragua, or uh, like one of our, our college students was just there a few weeks ago. Um, he can't get out to Saudi Arabia, or China, or Russia. Heck, can't even get to New York, or... Kentucky or wherever in our own in our own country. And the thing is, is that's why we support missionaries. Right in Mapleton, Iowa, less than a half hour from where I am sitting at this very moment, is a place that's known as Mission Central, where we send out about a, around a hundred missionaries around the world to tell the good news of Jesus. And that is how you send them in your stead. Because you can't be there. There are those who can. And that's why we support them. And then there are some... Now, I know some people will some come back and say, Well, we don't need to be supporting those missionaries. We need missionaries right here, right now. There's a lot of people in our own communities, in our own state, in our own country that don't know Jesus. And we need missionaries here. To which I say, and I said this on Wednesday night, I had to ask our ushers... I asked this question quickly. I said, okay, how, how many people are in church tonight? And I think the number was 78 or whatever. And so then I said, all right, there you go. How many missionaries do we have in this room? 78 missionaries in a town of 2,000. We're in that room at that moment. But there are even more than that. See, that tells you something about our... See, we are missionaries. We are here to tell people about Jesus. Because here's the thing, is when we hear that Jesus suffered and died on the cross, 
This isn't just, you know, this isn't Beauty and the Beast, a neat little fairy tale to make us feel warm and fuzzy inside. We're talking about a historic event that actually happened. You could go to the place where he was put on trial. You could go to the place where he was nailed to that cross. You could go to the place where that tomb was empty. Hypothetically, if you knew where it was. It actually happened in history, in a physical, as real as could be, place. This is why when you say, well, your faith is... Whether or not Jesus rose from the dead or not is between you and God. That's it. That's like saying it's between you and God. It's, it's a personal decision whether the Holocaust happened or not. No. It either did or didn't. It's a historical event. And it doesn't matter whether you believe it or you think it or whatever. It happened. But when we're talking about... Jesus Christ, who is the very God himself, suffering and dying on the cross for the sins of the world and rising from the dead, and from his death and resurrection comes salvation for the entire world. That means it is not just between you and God. It is between you, God, and every single human being you come into contact with. You are to be a witness no matter where you are, telling others of Jesus. Because as Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I mean, think about this. And if you think that you could be saved by other faiths, that, that, is a multi, that you could be saved by any religion, I'm going to ask you, that, I'm going to challenge that notion. Why did the early church die for the faith. Why not just shut up about Jesus if it doesn't matter what you believe? Why not say, oh, oh, you don't want to believe in Jesus? That's fine. You just go on with your way and that's okay. Why not just shut up about it and avoid, like, you know, like Bartholomew had his, was skinned alive before being crucified. Why not do that? Why not avoid the incredible torture that the early Christians endured if you could be saved by anything? They died for nothing. But they died confessing that Jesus rose from the dead because they knew that the truth that they confessed was the salvation for those who were persecuting them. That they would rather die than deny that Jesus rose from the dead. And they would rather die than not tell others about it. Now, I'm gonna, there's, a, there's a video by uh, Penn Gillette. He's a, um, that is his name. I got it mixed up earlier. But it's Penn Gillette or Penn and Teller if you're familiar with the um, magician duo. Uh, Penn Gillette is one of those guys in the duo and there's a story, and I'm probably going to link this on our um, Facebook page so you can watch the video. I was, gonna, I was thinking about including it into this recording, but it's a little long. But there's a story where Penn Gillette is telling the story about um, how he was on a, The Tonight Show or some you know nighttime talk show, and he was being interviewed and all this. And this guy came up to him backstage... And he said, you know, he talked to him, he says, you know, I, I really love your stuff. I think you're very entertaining, you're funny, you're, and I really love the stuff that you do. 
And here's and then he said, you know, I know that you're an atheist, but I'm a Christian. And, and understand, I'm paraphrasing the story. If you want the real accurate story, like I said, watch the video on YouTube. But he says, you know, I want you to understand that I'm a Christian. And I have this Bible here for you. And so he gave one of these little Gideon Bibles. And he says, you know, I'd love you to read this. And, um, and so Penn Gillette, when he retells the story, he actually gets kind of emotional. And the reason is, is because he understands this. That that man didn't do it because the reason, he understood the reason why he did that. He did it because he loved and he cared for Penn. And so he challenged this. He brought this. He says he said that he had no, for if a Christian believes that Jesus is the one and only way to salvation, he has no respect for those who will not confess their faith. Because, and he simply says this, if you know that Jesus is the way to salvation, you don't tell me. How much must you hate me? I mean, seriously, that, and that's a good question. When you refuse to tell someone about, your, about Christ, how much must you hate them? That you don't want them to know of Jesus. That you don't want them to experience eternal life. That you would rather them go to hell and suffer eternal torment that face the discomfort that they may not like you for a moment. Because the thing is, is when we refuse to tell about our faith, even though we believe that Jesus is the one and only way to salvation, even though we know it, and we do not tell someone the only reason we don't is out of selfishness. Because if we loved them, we would tell them. And see, right there as at that is the core of why we tell people of our faith. Because love. We don't tell people, we don't want to tell people about Jesus just so we can get more butt, butts in the pews. We don't tell people about Jesus because we need more money in the offering plate. We do it out of love. Because we want to see that person in heaven. And I know, this is not easy. This makes us uncomfortable. This means being not normal. It means being weird. It means that people may not like you because you told them about your faith. Means maybe being labeled as a, a Bible thumper. But do you know what? Who cares? If not normal is what saves, if being a little weird, being labeled a Bible thumper, is what leads a heart to being changed and receiving salvation, so be it. Because you see, the thing is, is that we are called Christians. The word Christian literally means little Christ. That means we should expect persecution. We should expect to be rejected by the world. 
because Christ was rejected by the world. And this is where that verses from Romans 8 comes into play. See, we don't fear persecution. We don't get overly worried because, you know, we know of a God whom even if our head were to be cut off, even if we were to be burned to ash, we have a God who will grow our head back, will from the ash make us more beautiful than we were before you burned us. We have a God who will make us better. Because, you see, because Jesus rose from the dead, because Jesus conquered sin by death and the devil by his death and rose from the dead, we too shall rise just as he did. He was sentenced to death by the governing authorities. And even if the governing authorities were to sentence us to death, that's fine. We, like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, will rise from the dead. So as it says in Romans 8, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Death, tribulation, sore, nakedness, whatever, it will not separate us from the love of God. Because Jesus endured what he did for we sheep who love to wander. We have eternal life. We have that promise. And I love this in verse 14 of the hymn. We're going to finish up in a little bit. It says, but worth whatever of earthly good this life may grant me, I'll risk for thee. No shame, no cross shall daunt me. I shall not fear what foes can do to harm me, nor death alarm me. But worthless is my sacrifice. I own it. Yet, Lord, for love's sake, thou wilt not disown it. So understanding that our sacrifice is worthless, but yet our Lord, for love's sake, will not disown it. Thou wilt accept my gift in thy great meekness nor shame my weakness. And when, dear Lord, before thy throne in heaven, to me the crown of joy at last is given, where sweetest hymns thy saints forever raise thee, I too shall praise thee. To him who calls us out of darkness into his marvelous light, to proclaim, to learn, to be catechized, to hear his word gladly, 
and spread it to others. To him be all glory. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep you in the one true faith, to life everlasting. Amen. We conclude this recording by singing verses 11 through 15 of hymn 439, O dearest Jesus, what law hast thou broken? But since my strength will never more suffice me to crucify desires that still entice me to all good deeds, oh, let thy spirit win me and reign within me. I'll think upon thy mercy without ceasing, that earth's vain joys to me no more be pleasing. To do thy will shall be my sole endeavor. Henceforth forever, whatever of earthly goodness life may grant me, I'll risk for thee, no shame, no cross shall dot me. I shall not fear what foes can do to harm me, nor death alarm me. But worthless is my sacrifice I own in. Yet, Lord, for love's sake, Thou wilt not disown it. Thou wilt accept my gift in thy great meekness. Nor shame my weakness. And when, dear Lord, be for thy throne in heaven, to me the crown of joy at last is given. Where sweetest hymns thy saints forever raise thee, I too shall praise thee. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen.